welcome to the podcast today. No podcast yesterday. It was a federal holiday, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and there wasn't a lot going on. Um, Alex and I have some things to get to after our guest, those things, a show that I will suggest you stay away from, but maybe with what I say about it, you'll get into it. And actually very little in your life is 0% chance, including this person and my best friend, Alex. Um, before all that, let's uh, let's get to a guest. You may have seen a brief write-up in the Toledo City Paper under the Big Ideas section um, about Sean Mahone, who has a great program that is definitely something we need after um, the violent uh, the violent few years we've been through with all the unrest, not just here, obviously it's in many places, but Sean has a program we'd like to get on your radar because there's a lot of things that I think you can take out of it and maybe pass along. Uh, Sean Mahone, Young Men and Women for Change. We appreciate him spending some time with us so you can learn about his incredible program. Sean, we wanted to have you on. I was really excited to see you listed in the in the big idea uh, piece in the Toledo City paper. As I mentioned to you when we chatted a couple weeks ago, it was, it was nice to see refreshing new faces and voices because as much as there are so many people doing good things in the community and getting recognized for it, there are others. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're one of them. So, um, Sean Mahone from Young Men and Women for Change, could you tell us a little bit about the project and what you guys do? So, Young Men and Women for Change is a behavior modification boot camp program. So, let me uh, stop and tell you what the boot camp stands for. The boot stands for Behavior, Obedience, Observational Training. The camp stands It's a program geared to helping youth, both male and female, ages 5 to 17, youth that are just simply making unhealthy choices in life. So we're talking about the youth that are being disrespectful, disobedient, defiant, unruly, uh, lying, stealing, cheating, getting in trouble in school, getting suspended, getting kicked out, and even the youth that's been diagnosed with ADHD, ADD, and ODD. Um, this is a program where we simply take the youth, we break them down, we build them back up. Sean, 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 I'm a, I'm I'm losing you again. Um, I'm going to give you a call and we'll we'll go we'll run with that, okay? Okay. Let's do All right. That. Stand okay. by. I'll give you that call in a second. Damn, it's you. I'm blaming you. It ain't me. It's you, girl. Sunny did it. There we go. What if she barks during the interview? She might. Are you able to quiet it back there? I can mute myself. Don't do that. No, I thought there might be like a fan or a heat or something. It's the computer monitor. Mm. Is, is this better? Yeah, this is better. I won't. I won't have any digital garble like like that. Like that was. I don't know what it was. Um, all right. Uh, well, we'll just start all over again. Um, okay. Please let me welcome uh, Sean Mahone. 
to the podcast. He had a little write-up about uh, himself and some other people doing good things in the community, the big idea in the Toledo City paper. And it was great. There are so many people doing good things in our community for people of all colors, people of all genders and sexualities, and they get a lot of recognition. But there are others as well, and I'm glad the City paper uh, took some time to highlight you and young men and women for change. Um, Sean, Sean, if I could start backwards um, and we'll work through the program. From what I read, you had a, a pretty challenging upbringing, and that's how you, you had the idea to move forward with this. What, what was your childhood like? So my mom had me when she was 14 years old. Um, so I grew up during a time, uh, especially as a teenager, when uh, crack cocaine was dropped in my neighborhood. And um, I had a choice to make. Either I was going to uh, step, step off my porch and uh, sell crack cocaine or use it. Uh, the street that I grew up on was called Oakwood that adapted a name called Cokewood. Um, but but the boys club saved my life. I was a basketball player. Um, I played for Rogers High School. Um, I ended up going to Owens Community College and get my degree in criminal justice. So I had kind of made up in my mind growing up <clears throat> that I wanted to get out of the inner city and I wanted something better for myself. So, you know, I just kind of stayed the course of doing what's right. Plus, I had a very strict mom. Um, was not playing any games, so I had to do what was right. That's so funny. I was my my follow up question to that was going to be how much of an influence did your mom have in you kind of creating this program and doing this work? Like, I can't. I'm glad that you said that because I immediately thought of like he must have a really loving mother that helped him. <laughs> you you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So my grandmother, uh, my grandmother actually helped raise me. So I had my mom. Um, and then I had my grandmother and then I also had uh, neighbors in the community uh, mm-hmm. that was that had that village mentality um, on holding uh, us accountable uh, for the things that we did. So it was a lot of tough love back then. But uh, we all turned out great. And, you know, we went a lot of us went on to do bigger and better things. But um, but the, the narrative of it all is that I used to be a, um, a police officer when it was Mercy Hospital years ago. And then I had an opportunity to work corporate security where I traveled all over the country. And I ended up in Louisville, ended up in Louisville, Kentucky, where I worked for the Kentucky Department of Corrections. I was actually a drill instructor at their boot camp for first time offenders between the age of 18 to 35. And after being in law enforcement for about seven and a half, eight years, I stepped out on faith and I ended up getting into corporate America. And I was in corporate sales, and I was very, very successful in corporate sales, and I was making great money, and life was great. But I heard a voice tell me in the middle of the night to pack my things up, go back to Toledo, and start a program helping you. And I thought, there is no way possible I am going back to Toledo. Uh, No way. (laughs) So so, make a long story short. Um, I end up coming back to Toledo and January of 2006, um, in the basement of a church, I birthed a young man and women for change organization. Sean, it's a, you have boot camp, and I'm a big acronym fan. Uh, can you give us what everything in, in boot camp stands for? And I'm guessing you mentioned you were in a, a correctional facility in criminal justice. I'm guessing some of what goes into boot camp comes from some of the things that you've learned over your time as a as a young adult, as a professional as well, right? Absolutely. So the BOOT stands for Behavior Obedience Observational Training. 
The CAMP stands for Community Adolescent Modification Program. So we use the word boot camp as an attention getter only for those who are looking for the service. So Mm -hmm. we've been doing this program. um, I've been in existence now for 16 years. And even through our own personal research, all of the parents that have come through our program were looking for some type of boot camp or scare straight program uh, to help their child. So that's how we formulated the word boot camp. So in the in so we did our research kind of I, I did. You know, <laughs> I was very do. excited. I was really excited to have you on and, and and kind of ask these questions. One of the things though, so you you're saying that you get parents that are looking for that scared straight style work because what it sounds like is that's not actually what they get. Can you explain a little bit about when you say you you help to break a child down? Can you explain what that means? So basically, um, we do a program once a month that we've been doing for the past 11 years, and that program is called Dose of Reality. Mm-hmm. And the Dose of Reality program is where you come to us on a Friday night at 8 p.m. We ask the parents to stay for the first hour, and then the child is with us until 5 a.m. Saturday morning. So what we normally do, normally what we do throughout the night is we help build relationships through various constructive activities that are that we do. Our goal is to help improve their overall physical, social and academic performance. Our goal is also to teach nonviolent conflict management techniques, ways to decrease substance and alcohol abuse, the importance of community involvement and awareness teaching social and life skills and character building and leadership towards development. We do that within that period of time at our Dose of Reality program mm-hmm. by the, the whole breakdown process is basically to exercise. And the kids cannot stand to exercise. And I always tell the children, when <laughs> you know, it's, it's sad that you could disrespect your mom or your grandmother or dad, but you can't do five push-ups. Like, are you serious? <laughs> mm. And so... And so, unfortunately, um, there's a video on our website that shows me screaming and yelling. It's not that type of program. Um, I scream and yell to catch the to children's attention, to help them understand that if you don't turn your life around, three things is guaranteed to happen. And that's prison yard, graveyard, or homelessness. So I always say to the parents, I scream and yell the way that I do to wake your child up. So you don't have to scream and yell because you have to identify your child's body. So that's the dose of reality part of it. Sean, let me, let me ask this. Um, I think we had a lot of, we had some things in common when we were kids. Like I always had sports to um, keep me busy. And um, my dad was not rigid or strict, but there were certain things that I had to achieve for him on the field, in in the classroom, so that I could have certain other um, benefits, video games, and go hang out with my friends. You you had basketball. You had your mom as a, as an old friend of ours used to used to say she had the fashion bug flip flop ready to take it to your head. At a time. <laughs> um, what, and I, I heard you talking about bringing uh, parents bringing their kids to your program. I think we would all agree one of the problems that is plaguing everything society like where we got to where there is criminality so many places kids are sorry to use an old cliche wrong side of the tracks is because their parents or family members there's not enough of them involved in their lives anymore they don't care as much or whatever it might be how do you reach those kids who might not have 
um, a grandmother or a mom or a dad who will drag them by whatever to your program? How can you reach those kids in the community who may already be having one foot put in a bad place? So the nice thing about our program is that, so I'll give you an example. Uh, our Dose of Reality program, we've had over a thousand plus youth and parents that have been through wow. our program. Only 198 children have been back. Parents come from all over the state of Ohio, Michigan, wow. Indiana, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New York, Illinois, Florida, North Carolina, to Toledo to get one night of help. So this is a program where parents are literally searching the web on Facebook. Parents are literally looking for this type of program. We've also implemented this program into the, the school system. So what we do in lieu of suspending a child from school, and we take a child through the Dose of Reality program, bring the parent in to teach the parent the accountability aspect of it. Mm. And we have been able to reduce out-of-school suspension by 83% in the schools that I'm in and referrals by 72%. So this program has branched out where not only are we doing Dose of Reality, but now we're in the schools, now we're in the community. Our goal is hopefully is to have a relationship with the Toledo Police Department and our juvenile court because so many parents are frustrated that when a child gets arrested and taken downtown, 20 minutes to an hour later, the parent has to come and pick the child up and the parents are frustrated because they're crying out for help. But I believe that this is a program that the court should say, hey, you need to go spend a night with Mr. Sean and then come back and let's have a conversation on how important it is for you to make the right choices and decisions. I think what the stigma is, is that people have not in 11 years, no one from the police department. Well, there has been some from the police department. But no one from city government or no one from our juvenile court or our CSB has come out to take a look at our program to say, wow, this is a great program. They think, unfortunately, people think that we're just screaming and yelling at kids all night. I'm like, no, that is not it. And we have so many success stories of the children that have come through our program that this is a win-win for the city of Toledo. This is not a win just for our organization, but we have something in our community that can transform the lives of a lot of children and a lot of parents. But we got to get away from what research says and look at a program that's been rooted and grounded in the community for 16 years and being right. able to move forward so we can make that positive change that's needed. I, I mean, I had no idea. This is really good information. I didn't know, you know, that you worked with other kids, you know, throughout the state. So that, I mean, that's just, that's fantastic. Is there, you know, would you say that there's a difference in how you interact with a five-year-old compared to how you interact with a 15 or 16-year-old? Uh, well, you know, we take them from five and we give them the same treatment as we give uh, a 15-year-old. That means okay. we're, we're teaching accountability. So it's important for me to make sure that a five-year-old knows what it means to be a leader and not a follower and hold them to that. And what's really cute, what's really cute is this. Those five, six, seven-year-olds, they come back and volunteer, and they do what we do to help other children. That's the great thing about the program is that children literally come back and parents come back and volunteer their time to give back because they believe in what we're doing. Okay. 
Sean, we're happy to spread the word because I'll sync up with Alex. Yeah, we were unaware of this and we would like to connect you if we can to some of those places. Um, I'm wondering if you didn't kind of throw your hands up or stomp your feet or yell out and I told you so. Um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a big TPS presentation that they were going to reevaluate uh, some behavioral things mm-hmm. um, to make the kids safer. But the, uh, obviously, it's a different culture that kids have to deal with, schools have to deal with than when we were all growing up. Um, but one of the things that struck me was um, something I've seen in other school districts. Now when kids get suspended, it's not so much three days at home anymore. It's why did you do this? What's going on in your life? Um, and it looks like TPS is going to address that in these ways as well. And you just have to look at that and go, I've been telling you that all along. <laughs> so um, the nice thing about TPS is they, they are a fan of our work. Um, what we do different than any other program is I developed a room called the accountability room. So in lieu of a child getting suspended, they will have to come to my room and there's some structure things that they have to do before they earn a seat. This mm-hmm. is one of the programs that we're doing in the other schools. So a child comes into the room, we hold them accountable. Um, there is a penalty they are supposed to write. They earn a seat. Now they're able to sit down, not only do their work, but now we're able to build healthy relationships with our students and work with those families. So if there's an issue with a child in school, I personally go and knock on people's doors. And I want to talk to the parent because I want to hear both sides of the story. And I'm asking the parent, like, what can we do as an organization to help your child be more successful in the classroom? And you find out that, you know, some parents may be unemployed. Some parents may be um, looking to go back to school. They don't have their GED. So we find out all these other mitigating factors where we're now able to go to other partnering uh, organizations in the community and say, hey, what can we do to help this family? What can we do to help this family? Which now has allowed us to now have a facility in the heart of downtown Toledo to keep pushing the agenda and narrative of what needs to take place in the city of Toledo. I do really in- I like to hear that because it, it does involve the whole family. It involves the whole community. It involves wraparound services sometimes. Like when you are you know, when you go to the door or to the home of this young child and you find out that the mom doesn't have any food for the kids and the kids are coming to school hungry. So then you're kind of engaging with area food pantries or organizations that can support this mom and her family for some time. Um, How, you know, Eric and I have a lot of conversations related to what goes on in Toledo and in the community and, and that, you know, obviously it's not lost on anyone that a lot of youth are the ones that are in the news lately committing some of these really adult, you know, crimes, like committing some of Mm -hmm. these really dangerous crimes. And, you know, I talk about this all the time that I feel like there's just a lack of hope, a a lack of hope that you can live a different life, that there is something different. You alluded to that a little bit when you talked about your childhood, when you felt like you only had two options. How much of that do you see in the community with some of these with some of the youth and the families that you're engaging with, you know, where do we feel, where can we help them build that hope? Well, I deal with that. And unfortunately I have to be very transparent with you guys. I'm not, I'm not very light in the city of Toledo. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the first African-American male to ever have this type of program in the city. And I am 
I'm, I'm radical. I'm a rebel. I'm excited because, you know, I, you know, you bring something to this city that has never been here before. And then you show the success of how it works. And then, you know, when you're writing proposals to the city of Toledo to, to introduce an accountability program to wake mm. the community up. So you wake the community up because you're saying if your child makes a mistake, mom, dad, grandma, whoever, we're holding you accountable and we're holding your child accountable. Imagine what that will look like if that starts to spread like wildfire when parents are now having conversations in the community like, listen, you want to do everything you can to keep your house in order because you do not want to go see Mr. Sean and his team because it is they're not nice and they're going to be very honest with you. But we find that that's the that's the missing link in our community. And if, mm. and, and if we don't make that connection, the violent rate is going to continue to happen. I guarantee you, hear me now, believe me later, I guarantee you this year we will break last year's record. I'm telling you now. Why? Because there's no accountability, none across the board. And as long as there's no accountability, then guess what's going to happen? Violence is going to continue to rise. Sean, if there's ever a time, and, and we'll, we'll be happy to help you smooth over some of those relationships if we can, if for no other reason, then um, what we've been doing has not been working. And right. if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting, as my dad always told me. And Alex brought up a, a great point as we get close here to, to wrapping things up. You know, you can do everything. The school can do everything absolutely right. But we've now realized people as a society, black, white, everyone have realized that this is a, a community effort. It's a collective effort. Correct. If your program is doing everything right for a kid, the school's doing everything right. But like Alex said, if that kid goes home and they have no food... That interrupts the way that we can progress and help somebody out of a dark place. So everybody's got to work. Everybody's got to work together. So let me say this, just so the the, viewer, the listeners can understand. I'm a single dad raising my now 18 year old son. I've been raising my son since he was two years old, and mm -hmm. he's now a senior at St. John's. He's an honor roll student. He's a great kid. I don't say that to to brag. I say that to parents because what I do for my child, I do for yours. I've been awesome. funding this program for the past 16 years out of my own pocket. You know, mm -hmm. we are a 501c3 organization, and yeah, we have contracts with some schools, but I've been funding this out of my pocket. And I always say on Facebook, and everybody is now using it, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yep. If you keep doing the same thing over and over, you're going to keep getting the same results. So it is time for the city of Toledo to look at some other options, things that are working, and just kind of, you know, look at it and evaluate it and look at the data and shows that is, is that is needed. I get calls all the time to bring my programs to different cities, but I don't want to really branch out that quick and, too, and, and soon because this program is ran with integrity. I'm not in this for the money, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in this. I'm not in this for profit. I'm in this for purpose. I'm not mm. in this for income. I'm in this for impact. And, and I've been blessed. I have truly been blessed to, to 16 years still be standing. And 98% of our clientele is white. So that tells you right oh, there. Wow. That, yeah. So that tells you right there what type of program this is when 98% of our clientele is white. And these are parents that come from all walks of the earth to Toledo to get the help they need. And parents rate this program a five-star program. You know, I, I feel like, uh, okay, I'm going to say this for a second and then I'll be quiet, but I feel like that last 
fact is so powerful because people don't often think about that. Like they, you know, we as black people, we get judged all the time as the ones, you know, leeching off the system, committing all the crimes, doing all the bad things. And not to say these are like bad kids, but the fact that the majority of the children you're working with are don't look like you and me, you know what I mean? And and yeah. they can be helped and they have opportunities. It's, I don't know. It's I, just, that's a, so, that's good info. I, let me, let me just, just, so let me, let me say this. Let me say this real quick, guys, because I, I got to tell you this real quick, short story. <laughs> I meet, I meet, I meet with Chief Crawl, right? And Chief Crawl doesn't get back with me. So when he does get back with me, this is what he says to me. He says, Sean, no offense to you, but I went and asked some black parents where they send their kid to a program like this. And they told me no, because they discipline their own child. And I said, mm -hmm. really? And he said, yeah. I said, well, Chief, we got two problems. He said, what's that? I said, the first problem is you uh, racially profile me because as a black man, you're thinking I'm helping black children. The second thing is 98% of our clientele is white. And he says, really? And I go, yeah. So he goes, well, Sean, I'm going to come out and see your program. And if you can sell me on your program, I'll make sure my officers get the information in their hand. That was two years ago, and I still haven't heard from the chief of police. Mm. So, Interesting. you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, our children are worth more to the system than they are in our home. Sean, I was I, that was actually going to be my question. Um, and when you the 98 percent statistic, is it because a white family, a white caretaker is more likely to bring them to your program than a black family would be? Unfortunately, yes. Mm. It, is that how can we change that not that you haven't tried for years and years but that would seem to be uh one of the issues for and, and actually family breakdowns like i alluded to earlier for all colors of people but is there any way that we can fight through that because i think it's pretty obvious too many of the shootings too many of the kids dying the young people dying they've they've been black community members what i need what i need honestly is i need for the juvenile court to take a look at this program because CSB now utilizes this program. CSB loved this program. CSB uh, did not have anything in place for the parents that were frustrated, wanted to drop their child off and just keep it pushing. Now CSB calls me to go in and talk to those families to build that relationship with those families with that case manager where we're able to keep those children in the home, hold them accountable, and then provide some, some wraparound services that's going to better suit that family. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, we got to have a healthy conversation with the juvenile court. We got to have a healthy conversation with the chief of police. We got to have a healthy conversation with our city government, because if we don't, we're going to keep spinning our wheels and I'm going to continue to do what I've been called to do. And I'm going to keep saving children lives. Will I like to see more African-American boys and girls come through the program? Absolutely. But, I need those parents in the community to understand that this is a program of tough love out of love before the street show them tough love with no love. And I think the thinking of something different is applicable to both anybody with the city, the police, and to, to the parents. Nobody wants to see bodies dropping. Nobody wants to see this, and you're offering them away. Um, I love your passion. I so much appreciate your time. If we could end on, on a lighter note, um, I'd like to know what your favorite restaurant is. My favorite restaurant, believe it or not, is um, uh, Nick's Cafe. Ooh. Okay. On Reynolds. 
On Reynolds, yeah. Nice. And then maybe the more challenging question, maybe this will be super easy for you. Who's your all-time favorite NBA player? Uh, my all-time NBA player, I can honestly say, will be George Gerby. Excellent. Alex has no idea who that is, but the Iceman is a classic, a <laughs> legend. I think I do. <laughs> no, she don't. No, she don't. No, she don't. Quit, she Alex. Doesn't. Quit playing. No, you uh, don't. Quit playing. Shame on you. Shame on you. Nope, nope, nope. Fine, nope. fine, fine. fine I'll fine, educate fine. her. Uh, Sean, I deeply appreciate the time. I'm so glad to connect, and, and that's not me gassing you up or flossing you up or anything. Uh, I was excited to come across you and your program, and we do want to help in whatever way that we can because, like you said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Changes, and nobody wants to see what's happened in this city over the last year. We want it to get better, and your program can be a way to help that out. Yes. Absolutely. So I thank you guys so much. And our address downtown, yes. if you guys want to come and take a look at our facility, we're located at 323 North Huron Street. We will visit. Yeah, thank that you. sounds great. And, and I will do more than five push-ups. All right, <laughs> I will great. not. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Sean. You know, she owed me, she owed me 10. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> I'll do assisted push-ups. <laughs> Sean, you guys have a great day, and thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. You too, great Sean. Connect. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. That went well. You know what I want to know? And I said, Alex, don't ask this question. Just because they're black doesn't mean that they're, you know. Anyway, I want to know, if you're having a party, what's the first song you go to? Like, if we're having a barbecue, it's the oh, summer, and you're getting <laughs> and you're getting started... What's the first song you go to that tells me a lot about you? You know? I, yes. Well, please remind me to make sure we weave. Do you want to, do you have time now? We'll kick off. We'll do 20 minutes here. Or do you want to come back later? No, I have time. Sonny's Hi. taking a nap now. Um, yeah, I have to, uh, I have to throw that on the, the end of the, the podcast list. I'm sorry, but no, consider, because it's a great question because we always argue over that. <laughs> um, I was interested about the black, I never would have guessed that. Uh, it would have been so skewed in either direction for either uh, black or white. But 98% is, is a big deal. But I'm glad he said that it seems like black parents say they'll discipline their own kid. Hey, look, maybe that's part of the problem. So, well, so yes and no. I mean, that, that, I, I mean I, we all have opinions. He knows the facts. What we have are just opinions. I was shocked to hear that. Um, but I think, yes, I do think that there's a component of like white families that are more likely to seek out programs like this. But I also think that in in black households, especially in low income neighborhoods, there is that that mom or a grandmom or a family member that's going to be like, get your fucking ass back in this house right now. You know what I mean? You're going to ha- I mean, that's how I grew up. It sounds like that's how Sean grew up. Like <laughs> I, I get it. And, and but that's why I said when we were wrapping up the conversation um it ain't working in a lot of ways yes so that's true ma- you you in the same way that the city and government officials have to put their pride aside so that we can change some things so do people in the community some that's some very true. Some, some grandmother with a fashion bug flip-flop has to go me smacking him on the head anymore isn't doing anything because he comes home every night drunk at 3 a.m and then tr- and then doesn't go to school in the morning and to Sean's point, he's got passion and he's got strong points. Um, what is it? Graveyard? Uh, mm-hmm. Junkyard? I mean, we've had a, a, dead, a deadly, lethal, violent year. We two made, years. Two years. Um, mm-hmm. Along with like Philadelphia and Chicago and several other places. And you don't want to be on that list with what's happened I, there. And there's, there are some ways 
that we can try to fix things here because what we've done so far is not working. I wonder if there is any kind of um, evidence-based practice in other states that he can pull from that can kind of support what he's saying. I mean, we know we trust and understand what he's saying, um, but I'm curious if there's other states that have done it and done it well that can, and we can bring that to Toledo and say, listen, this really is worth it. You should listen to this person. But um, I do understand a bit of why he's a little slow to warm with what some people, you know, like it's, it is a little, like I can't imagine um, Andrew, let's say Colin, I, I always speak about my nephews. Like, I feel like Andrew does have behavioral health challenge. He does have behavioral challenges 100%. And I can't imagine, you know, him going through something like this and being able to comprehend what's going on and being in the same room as these big kids, like literally big kids, tall kids and seeing and dealing with the same thing. Like I, I just, I can't imagine that, you know? Yeah, some of the rough edges might have to be sanded off. Like when I was looking at the acronym, like obedience and one of the other things in there, they're like words that you use when you're training an animal. Now, in some ways, I'm not making any kind of racial comparison but no, no. you you can apply things like obedience and some of the other words that fall under boot camp to how you have to train human behavior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's on to something 100%. I mean, I, I make that comment because that's my nephew. Like, I'm always going to hold him close to, to my little heart. But if he needs, you know, if he if his behavior gets to a point where I'm worried about his future, I will absolutely do everything I can. And Sean's program is one of those do everything I can that some parents should be considering because, you know, he's that the point that he made, it's like, do you want to scream now or do you want to scream later when when they've passed, when they're dead from their actions? In short, I think it's more an asset than Mm -hmm. people are giving it credit for. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right about finding comparable programs elsewhere that that may have worked. But the only number I need to really see is, what was our murder number this year? Like 71? I think we were at 72 or 73, yeah. but yeah. That, from that, like 69. That Like, I, I don't know how many of the changes that we've implemented, keeping the kids busy with the city parks and some other things, how much that stuff is going to bring these numbers down as quickly as people would like. Um, it's not going to. N- n- no, I mean, it's an overtime thing. And I, mm-hmm. I think that, that's necessary. Sean's program is a little bit more jarring and, mm-hmm. but so is the number of murders. So sure. Sure. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to a more serious topic. I, I know. How can we get more serious than that? <laughs> um, you do have more than 0% chance with Jason Momoa. Oh, stop. <laughs> no. I said that. I, no, no way, because Jason Momoa is now a big fish. He is not the person he was when him and Lisa Bonet met. I do think Lisa Bonet is pretty average-ish, an attractive average, a very cool average. But, like, I love her, live for her. But she, you know what I mean? Um, nothing, but Jason Momoa is a big fish. Nothing is zero percent. Me growing a baby and giving birth to it. That's zero percent. You having some serendipitous meeting with Jason Momoa and him (laughs) is not zero percent. I spoke from experience.
experience this morning when we were texting about this. I am a girl. I don't know if it's different for you, but I grew up thinking that I was going to be married to one of the members of B2K by now. And I am not. And I am not. So I speak from experience when I say I have a zero chance of, Hold on. of, now, of striking gold with Jason Momoa. So the B2K album I saw is now 20 years old. Oh um, my God. Other <gasps> Other than, I guess, Omarion, who was in the news recently because people thought that was the variant they were getting. Um, (laughs) Wasn't the other one, like, wasn't Lil Fizz or Lil Fuzz? So, obviously, I have a type. Like, it's a shame. Lil Fizz was my member of choice. He was who I was going to marry. I'm telling you. The little girl and Alex, and if it was 20 years ago, then that would make me 11. So the 11-year-old me, 12-year-old me, all I had to do was go to one of his concerts and he just had to catch sight of me in the audience and it would have been over for you bitches. Like that is what, that is in my mind what I thought would have happened. The delusion, the delusion. I mean, imagine the picture I shared like last year of me in that jersey dress. In fact, I wore that jersey dress to a B2K concert. So that is what I looked like. And I thought that I was going to snag Little Fizz. Like, what? So I have experience. I have zero chance with Jason Momoa. Not because I'm not a catch. I'm a catch. But there's so many fish in his sea just swimming up to him at the moment that there's no way. (laughs) There's no breathing room. Not zero percent. But let's go back to (laughs) Little Fizz. So. There were, we all watch shows, you just talk, we all have something nostalgic in our life. TV Mm -hmm. show, music, something that we found attractive. Um, So I'll tell you this, if I've gone back to any of those things as an adult, I'm like, well, let me see if this Star Trek actress who is never in anything else in her career in her life has an Instagram account. And you can connect with these people because... Some of these people that we were so attracted to back then, they they have descended and we have ascended. So the ship the ships could run into one another. So if I would put Alex and Jason Momoa, there would definitely be couple, like at least two or three zeros to the right of the decimal point. But with Lil Fizz, I think there's definitely a number that isn't zero on the left side of the decimal point. I need you. Have you seen any recent pictures of Brendan Fraser? That poor guy. He looks bad. That poor guy. I mean, George of the Jungle was also one that like got me got me going. And poor that poor man. I cannot. (laughs) Wait, wait. What does that have to do with Jason Momoa and Lil Fizz? Well, you said that we some descended from their like peak when we were attracted to them at that time, and unfortunately, Brendan Fraser was one of them. But no, well, Little Fizz is still a fox. Well, Jason Momoa will always be. Sorry, I, I was not clear enough. Brendan Fraser is still a big star. I think he got a he got a part uh, in a in a superhero movie. Little Fizz, he's on pe- like Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> is he? He's still on TV. He's still on TV. Yeah, he's still on TV. Okay. Um, I mean, he but, still looks the exact same. That's a better example than Brendan Fraser, who is still kind of uh, B-list. Um, and Love and Hip Hop has its its own kind of celebrity and popularity. But, <laughs> I'll pass. Okay. I would say you have a higher chance with... with like, I, I think there's like a... I don't know him. 
I'll say you have a 7% chance with Lil Fizz. And with Jason Momoa, it's 0.25. Oh, no, 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 no. There's several more zeros before you get to the two. <laughs> it could be like 0.0025, but it ain't zero. Probably because I'm such a fan, and I like when we. T- I don't know. I don't. I don't talk about this often, but I, the occasional times that I have talked about it, I'm like, I've been with Jason Momoa since like Baywatch. Like, <laughs> I've been a fan since he got out there, got got his little feet wet, and then when he was Cal Drogo, and then it was over. You know, but yeah, I have those people too. I can't think of who they are, but I was like, I liked you before you were anybody. I know. Like, you almost don't want to share them with the rest of the world because you just know. That they're going to blow up, but I'm happy for him. I still think he's a terrible actor, though. He is, yes. Terrible. Uh, he, yes. And and then that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see that we're getting an actual ramen place? I did see that. So PK shared it. Is that connected to Kango or? So what I've heard for the longest time is um, he has, he bought the place next to him uh, oh, da- nice. downtown on St. Clair and I'm 98% certain that, yeah, this is where Cato Ramen Toledo will go. And I don't know if I brought it up with you before, but one of the food trends or restaurants that's missed here, as we've gotten many, has been a ramen-centric place. Now, there are places that do ramen, but it's not Ooh. their specialty. Like some of the spots like up in Detroit have their, their swanky ramen places. But... Mm-hmm. I couldn't ask for anybody else to to give us that place finally here uh, than Kango, who's got arguably bite for bite, pound for pound, the best restaurant in the area. I have never been, so I think I need. I'm, I don't think I know. I need to go to Kango at some point um, to experience it, and and good for them for bringing in something to the the down, uh, bringing in something new to the downtown area. Like, great. I, I'm so. Isn't there like an ice cream place going next to Home Slice or where yeah, yeah. Pita Pit was? Yep. Yep, that's in. Uh, that's from Eddie from the Blarney is opening that up, like boozy milkshakes and stuff. I'm excited for that. I mean, they're really building up that area because it, for a while it was dead. Like there was Dirty Bird, and there wasn't a whole lot else that would make you want to be over there. You know, in the summertime after seven o'clock at night. And I know that across the way is is that the brewery or there's a brewery across the across the street now that i did not know about um and so if they can bring in maybe like one other bar that gets some traffic that is something that's like mid-level that we would want to go to that's not up by hensville that's in that corridor of dirty bird from dirty bird to maddie and bellis you know there are plenty of places to get drunk not enough to get food and whatnot i'd like to get food and get drunk i'm with you um what, <laughs> one last thing um Maj suggested it. So uh, I began watching uh, Station Eleven last night on HBO. Mm, Have you watched Station, it? Station Eleven. Not. I'm confusing it with Station Nineteen, but I think I did see the Station Eleven, and I was intrigued, but I never got around to starting it. Don't bother. Oh no. <laughs> Well, so, you're a little snobbish with what you're interested in, yes. like with TV shows and movies. So I might like it. I always get pulled when, so it's another, the world ended kind of show. And actually it's a flu. I'm like, Maj, how are you watching this and enjoying it with the two years you have just worked and lived? Um, 
and it's very pensive and character centric. Whereas I often like these shows or prefer these shows. Like we see how the outbreak happened and let's find patient zero. That's where like when I first, when I watched the whole first season of the walking dead and it had already gone like three or four seasons. So I knew that I wasn't going to get the answer, but I still wanted to see the science of it. But this show is, was very much like the first season of walking dead without all the gory violence and at least three episodes in, and it reminded me a little bit of the bit of the Walking Dead and a little bit of the Stand that CBS did last year. Do you remember that? So I don't know what it is with the Stand, but we started it, and I feel like we're like three episodes in and never got back to it. So it must not have been that great. Yeah, I mean, we can always say the original was better, but it, it was twenty some years ago. But the original was better. This version of The Stand never pulled me in. So, if you choose to go past the third episode of Station Eleven and can get me back into it, fine. But that's even Maybe. if you get that far. <laughs> I'll give it a try. I'm currently like, I forget. I mean, I need to write these things down and come back to my list because there were, there's like shows that I, that I watched to like dump my mind from everything else. So like really trashy, terrible television. And I will usually pick that over something that really makes me think or something that I have to quietly sit down and watch. I want to watch something that makes me laugh or that's, that's just really stupid. I did watch a couple episodes of Golden Girls last night and it made me cry. So there's that. Um, that's okay. Did you yeah. Google Betty White yesterday? No, why? Uh, maybe it's still working. If you Googled Betty White, something happened. Huh. I'll have to do that. No, I did not. Is it because it was her birthday? Yes, she would have turned 100, although somebody tweeted that she's lived enough leap year days that she's, she made it to 100. She probably did, yeah. She probably did. No, I did not uh, Google Betty White last night. Give it a I shot. Suppose, Give it I a shot. I shall. And you and I might be the only people, we're, if I use these filters, we're definitely the only two Americans who have, one, not gotten COVID, and two, played Wordle. I did what the fuck is Wordle? I didn't do a 10-year challenge either. Did you? Only for work purposes. Oh, you petty bitch. Only for work. Only to promote stuff. So. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore, so I can see increasingly see how different I am than I was 10 years ago. Hell no. Fair enough. Is Sunny behaving? She's napping, actually, so I'm glad I locked her in here. Because um, she probably would not have laid down and she's taking her morning, her afternoon sleep. She's like knocked out too. Like her, which is right after her post-lunch sleep, which comes after her pre-lunch sleep. Yeah, she sleeps all day. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got somebody here that's just been really anxious. So I thought I'd bring her in to make her feel better and it worked. Sunny did Excellent. her job. She makes house calls. All right. Well, I will uh, I'll talk to you later on today. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.